right, here we go in Psalm chapter 23. Um, obviously, this is a fantastic psalm. It's a very popular psalm. David is the author of this psalm. We see that in that very short title there, A Psalm of David. That's a very popular title in the book of Psalms. Um, but if we were to give this psalm a theme, then Psalm 23, you could say, is the Lord is my shepherd. That's really the theme of this psalm. Or another way to say that would be, the Lord is the shepherd of his people. Now, I think that this is probably the most popular scripture in all of the Bible, with the exception of John 3.16. Uh, you see this quoted all the time. You see it on almost every memoriam at every funeral that you go to. It's printed on the back of those things. It's either printed there or it's recited during the funeral. You see it in most of them. In fact, and you know, I wonder why is that? Okay, that's that's just me, but I've often wondered why this psalm at a funeral. I don't know if you've ever wondered that or, or not, but maybe it's because of verse 6, you know, where it tells us or that believers, in other words, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe they use that as a reason to use this psalm at funerals. I'm not sure. But as I read through this psalm, look, I see this as a psalm that is written, written to the living, to those who are alive. It's not written for those who are dead, right? And in my opinion, Psalm 23 is not just for the dead. It's actually to give us hope for the life that we are living right now as believers in Jesus Christ. So I want to read it out loud, okay? I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Now this chapter you'll, you'll see is only six verses long, right? It will take me less than a minute to read it, okay? And so the next time that we feel like we don't have time for the Word of God, just think about that. Do I have 53 seconds that I could read Psalm 23? And maybe even take it one step further than that. Not, not just read it, but maybe read it over and over again and begin to commit this psalm to memory. Because the words of this psalm have held a major significant meaning for believers all throughout history. Okay, And so when you look at your life, are you struggling? I mean, has life not always been easy for you? you know? Do you lack purpose in your life? Things like that. Do you need comfort? Or do you need direction? Okay, or maybe you're just out there looking for a better way. I don't know, right? But if, if that's the case, if you find yourself in any of those situations, then your answer is right here in Psalm 23. Okay, and here it is. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then verse 6, Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a beautiful song. And, and Psalm 23, as you might remember, is right in the mil middle rather, of a trilogy of psalms that are commonly referred to as the shepherd psalms. Okay, And each of these psalms describe Christ 
as our shepherd, but in a different way. Okay, Psalm 22, for example, the psalm that we just wrapped up, Christ is known as the good shepherd in Psalm 22. And of course, Psalm 22 is a psalm about the cross, obviously. We talked a lot about that over the last couple of weeks. But John says this in John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, speaking of Jesus. Okay, Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep, right? So in Psalm 22, we see the good shepherd laying down his life on the cross for his sheep. And so Christ is not only the good shepherd, he's also the lamb that was slain, according to Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. So Jesus knows your suffering. Are you suffering? Jesus understands that. No one has ever suffered more than Christ. And therefore, who better to follow as a shepherd than the suffering servant, who is also our good shepherd? Psalm 23, the one we're in tonight, is known as or rather, Christ is known as the great shepherd. So in Psalm 22, he's the good shepherd. Here in Psalm 23, he's the great shepherd. It reminds us of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 that says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in Psalm 22, we see Christ on the cross as the good shepherd. In Psalm 23, we see Christ after his resurrection as the great shepherd. Again, refer you back to Hebrews 13. And then in Psalm 14, we're going to see Christ ascended into heaven as the chief shepherd. And that'll be, uh, our reference there will be 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So again, in these three shepherd psalms, here's what we see. And it's really amazing. We see Christ's death. We see his resurrection. And we see his return. In three, these three shepherd psalms, we see Christ in the past. We see him in the present. And we see him in the future. We see redemptive history. And then we see the restoration of believers. And then we're going to see the return to glory. We're going to see all of those things in these three psalms. Psalm 22, 23, and 24. So who better to lead than the one who laid down his life for you? And who is better to follow than the one who has resurrected from the dead and is now in heaven, right? It's Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't see anyone anywhere more qualified than Jesus to be my shepherd. He is ultimately qualified. And David agrees. Listen to this in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so I want you to notice just how personal this is. Very personal. When it was originally written, David wrote it like this. The Lord, my shepherd. The word is was added later. Okay, it wasn't in the original text. I mean, that doesn't really help the translation either way, in my opinion. But David is simply declaring that the Lord is his personal shepherd. Okay? Some of you may have heard somebody ask something like this. Hey, is Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? You ever heard that? Yeah, sometimes we state it that way. Well, David here is proclaiming that he belongs to Christ and Christ belongs to him. It's very, very personal okay 
And here's something else that we need to understand that's very important in Psalm 23. This is a believer's psalm. Okay, this psalm is written to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the target audience here, right? This is a psalm for those who belong to Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves when we come to this psalm, is the Lord my shepherd? Is Jesus Christ my shepherd? Is it personal? I mean, is the good shepherd of Psalm 22 my great shepherd from Psalm 23? And this is very important, okay? Because here's the deal. You must have gone to the cross, okay? You must have gone to the cross before you can lie down in green pastures here in Psalm 23. You must have had your debt paid in full Psalm 22, before you can say, I shall not want, in Psalm 23, okay? You must humble yourself in repentance and in faith before the good shepherd of Psalm 22 before you can follow the great shepherd of Psalm 23. In other words, to put it plainly, you must be a Christian before this psalm can apply to you, okay? I like what William MacDonald said here. He said, it is true that the good shepherd died for all. That's true. But only those who actually receive him by a definite act of faith are his sheep. His saving work is sufficient for all. But it is effective only for those who actually believe on him. Amen. I totally agree with that. David goes on to say, I shall not want. After proclaiming Christ as his shepherd, the only one. David says, I shall not want. So this literally means to uh, be without or to have a need, in other words, or to lack, literally. So that's what it means. I shall not have a need. I shall not have a lack. And so I'm sure that it's true that David had many wants, okay? If you think of the word want like we think of it today, I mean, yeah, David had wants, but it, it doesn't mean that. It means needs. I mean, if you think about it, David probably didn't want to be chased by Saul. He probably didn't want to be chased by his own son, Absalom, right? And I would imagine, this is just me thinking, but I would imagine that if he could, David would want to go back and handle things a little differently with Bathsheba and Uriah. He would probably rather want to do that. I mean, he would probably want his son back that died as a result of those sins, right? He would rather he had lived okay so David had wants all right and all of us do we all have wants but what David again is saying here is that I shall not have any needs none okay so he's looking to the future when he's going to lack absolutely nothing and so when Christ is your shepherd then here's the deal heaven will be your home okay and there are exactly zero needs there we will have no needs. And in fact, he will provide our every need here in this life as well. As believers, we're on our way to our Father's house. We are being led there where there are many mansions. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
Listen to what else Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, right? Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Jesus said, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And so here's the point I think that David is making here is obviously God provides our needs. And what a great promise we have as a believer in Jesus Christ. All of our needs are going to be provided both here and there, right? As believers in Jesus Christ, we are in the care of the very one that, I love this, that Matthew Henry calls the great pastor of the universe. That's what Matthew Henry calls him. What a great name. He is our great shepherd. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Okay. Now, I'm no sheep farmer. That may surprise some of you. Okay. I'm no sheep farmer, but I have read that hungry sheep don't lay down. Isn't that interesting? When sheep are lying down, what that means is that they're full. It means they're satisfied. Isn't that cool? Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So don't miss the application right here, okay? What Jesus gives you, believer, is spiritual nourishment for your hungry soul. That's what your great shepherd gives you. Christ gives you soul food. Okay? Are you restless? Are you hungry? Are you malnourished? Do you need peace? You can think of it like this. Are you, are you tired of eating leftovers all the time? Right? And here's the truth. Feeding on the things of this world is always going to leave you hungry. It's always going to leave you malnourished and unsatisfied. Okay? You're not going to get full. You're never going to be satisfied from that, ever. So knowing that, the application here is that maybe it's time that I start following my shepherd into green pastures where it's healthy, perfect nourishment. I can get full to the point of lying down and resting, right? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, Verses 28 through 30. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you see, God has provided a place for you to fill your hungry soul and to rest. What a beautiful picture. I mean, and all we have to do is follow him here, right? The shepherd leads. Okay, the shepherd leads, and what do the sheep do? They follow, right? So what we have to train ourselves to do is to stop following lesser shepherds that lead us into unsatisfying fields, right? We've got to follow the great shepherd. Christ is enough, 
We talked about this in Psalm 22. The cross is enough. His blood is enough. So we must stop trying to fill up on other things. David says, he leads me into the still waters. And so now, still waters, I don't want you to misunderstand. It doesn't mean stagnant or stale waters. Okay? No, they're still. Christ is never going to lead you to bad water. Right? No, he leads you to where the water is clear. Think about what still water looks like. This is a place where you can find peace. This is a place where you can find rest. I think of it like this. Maybe you're confused about something. You're dealing with an issue or whatever. You don't know which way to go. Still waters provide clarity, right? You can see your reflection in them. They're clear. In some places, you can see all the way to the bottom, right? He leads you beside them, not into them. In other words, he keeps you safe. Okay, you're not going to drown. You may just need clarity. But still waters are not dangerous like a raging sea that we see out here in the wintertime, okay? You can actually find safety and assurance here beside these still waters where the water is still, is still and the water is clear. And so what we learn is that Look, our shepherd is going to provide us with food in the green pastures, and he's going to quench our thirst with crystal clear water, the still waters. We have all that we need in Jesus Christ. Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, 13 through 14, he said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him, check this out, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Amen. So again, just like we need to stop settling for lesser shepherds that are going to lead us into fields that are only going to leave us malnourished, we've got to stop settling for well water. And we need to only settle for the water that brings eternal life. That can only be found in Jesus Christ. He said, you'll never thirst again. Christ has come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That's according to John chapter 10, verse 10. So I think we need to drink up. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So let me ask you. What needs restoring more than your soul? What's more important than that? I mean, if you think about it, we're talking about our soul here. David says, he restores my soul. I mean, we can make it into heaven blind or lame, okay? We know that because of what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 8 through 9. He said, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. And that's exactly right. And so Jesus was making this point. If something is causing you to sin, cast it from you. Get rid of it. Okay, that's the point here. But I want you to hear this. We cannot make it into heaven unless our soul has been restored by God. Period. And praise God, our great shepherd from Psalm 23 restores our souls. 
So David is, he's speaking from experience here too. I mean, David has had his soul restored. You'll remember Psalm 51, right? He said this in verse 10 of Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's what David said. He also said this in verse 12. He said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Amen. David knew what it was like to have his soul restored by God. But you know what? That's what Jesus does, right? He restores souls. I mean, this is why he went to the cross. What we're seeing here is the result of Psalm 52, or excuse me, Psalm 22. He went through all of that so that we could be restored, right? So please, if you don't get anything else out of Psalm 23 tonight, then, then at least get this, okay? Christ can restore your relationship with your heavenly Father, right? Christ can restore your soul. If you don't get anything else, get that. Listen to Colossians 1.21. He says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Amen. That's for you when you were an unbeliever. When you did not believe. Now, if you're a Christian, but you've sinned, listen to this. Christ can also restore your fellowship back with the Father. 1 John 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful. Three of the most important words in the Bible. Don't ever forget it. He is faithful. And just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. I hope you know that our Lord Jesus Christ... (coughs) is in the restoration business, okay? He restores souls. But you cannot say that Jesus is my shepherd if he has never restored your soul. David continues, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the shepherd leads, but me as a sheep, I must follow, right? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, John 10 verse 27. So in other words, we can't just sit here. And acknowledge all of these truths, right? No, we got to get moving. We must follow him, right? We have a shepherd to follow. And he's leading us down the right path. So we've got to trust him. And we've got to continue to walk by faith. Matthew Henry said this. He said, discontent and distrust proceed from unbelief. An unsteady walk is the consequence. Let us then simply trust our shepherd's care and hearken to his voice. Amen. Easier said than done sometimes, but it is a simple truth to understand. We've got to listen to his voice, and then we must follow him. And faith will keep you near his voice, but discontent and distrust will make you lag further and further behind. Right. So stay close to your shepherd. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, so, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want us to really notice something here. This valley is for walking, isn't it? Not dying. That's what the valley's for. 
It's for walking. It's not for standing around. It's not for being complacent. No, keep walking because your shepherd is always leading. Sure, the valley is not some place that you want to be when it catches on fire, for example, right? We see that in Oregon every summer, okay? But the valley is also a place where very delicious fruit, I mean, grapes, apples, whatever, all kinds of fruit, beautiful flowers, they also grow in the valley, right? And we're commanded here to walk through it, not stand in it. And so here's the truth. I mean, valleys are both beautiful and they're dangerous. They're both of those things, okay? But we've got to keep walking. We've got to keep following our shepherd. We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and not get distracted, I think is the point here, okay? We're walking through this, not standing in it. And by the way, David calls this valley here that he's talking about, he calls it the shadow of death. And so I don't know, but maybe this is where some people get the idea that this psalm is for dead people. I don't know. It could be. I don't see it. But I do like what Matthew Henry again said here. He said, no one, I love this. He said, no one has ever been hurt by the shadow of a serpent or the shadow of a sword. (coughs) Isn't that the truth? No one has ever been hurt by the shadow of a serpent or the shadow of a sword. He's exactly right. It's just a shadow. Okay, so don't be scared of death's shadow. David said, I will fear no evil. That's what David said. Why did he say that? For you are with me. My shepherd is with me every step of the way through this valley of life. Every step of the way. He is leading me. You see, Psalm 23 is for the living. It's not for the dead. Okay? I mean, the truth is we're all on the run from entropy. That word just means decay. I mean, we're all on the run from it because from the moment we take our very first breath, we begin to die, right? And therefore, we live our entire lives in this valley of the shadow of death. But don't forget what Paul said, right? We have New Testament revelation to depend on as well. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. He said, oh, death, where is your sting? Like, where is it? I'm looking all around and I can't see it anymore, right? There's no sting anymore. Oh, hell, where is your victory? I can't find it. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I can't see it. I can't find it. Look, Jesus took the sting out of death in Psalm 22. That's when the sting of death was removed. And now he is leading us into everlasting life right here in Psalm 23. Praise God for that. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He said, I am with you always, always, even to the end of the age. And the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He said, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. We can trust in the promises of God and have no fear. No fear whatsoever. So keep following the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not alone. Christ is your shepherd and he is always with you. He goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod here represents two two things, okay? Primarily. It represents correction and protection, okay? Christ will defend you and Christ will protect you all along this path. Okay, and all along the valley. 
he will also correct you, right? If you ever veer off that path, right? Sheep need both correction and protection. We need that as sheep, and Christ provides both. The staff here also represents direction, and that tells us that Christ is going to direct us along this path. We don't have to worry about getting lost, okay? So what do we learn here? I would say this, that Christ, our shepherd, the great shepherd, is both our weapon, okay, against the enemy, and he is our compass. Again, we're not ever going to get lost. We're not ever going to be left alone. Okay, he will direct us. He will defend us, and he will direct us. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Okay, so preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This tells us that there's going to be trouble along this path that's in the valley. There'll be trouble here. We have enemies among us, right? But even in the midst of that trouble, God provides. I want you to see the provision. Believers have a seat at the table of God. How cool is that? I like what William McDonald said here. He said, the table is everything that is ours in Christ. That's what the table means here. Amen. In Christ, we have all that we need. David said, I shall not want in verse one, right? So believers have a seat at God's table. David says, you anoint my head with oil. The oil here is representative of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Believers in Jesus Christ are anointed. And they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And then David says, my cup runs over. What a beautiful way to say this. Because this is representative of the joy that the Holy Spirit brings into the life of a believer. Amen. How beautiful. I like what Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was no other joy in this world like knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Nothing can compare to that. And if you walk closely enough with Him along this path, then your joy will indeed run over. I would say there's probably some of you in this room tonight who could testify to that. A time when your joy ran over in the Lord, right? Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is cool, because goodness and mercy are guarantees for the follower of Jesus Christ. David said, surely. It's sure, right? Those who follow the great shepherd have both goodness and mercy following them. I hope you see the picture. This is a really cool picture, all right? Think about it like this. From the pastures to the waters, through the valley to the table, my shepherd leads me. And then goodness and mercy follow me, right? It's almost like we're in the middle of a God sandwich. It's pretty cool. Christ before me and goodness and mercy behind me. Isn't that neat? And I'm just that chubby little blessed guy in the middle. That's basically it, right? But it's a beautiful word picture. But I do want you to see two things here, okay? The two things that follow us as believers in Christ are goodness. Think about that for a minute. 
Jesus said, no one is good but God. It's Matthew 19, 17. It gives us a pretty good picture of who might be following us as well as leading us. We also read in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. And then we have mercy also following us. So think of it like this. Some of us are always waiting for the bad news, the other shoe to drop, etc., etc. When mercy follows you, you don't get what you deserve, right? That's the definition of mercy, not getting what you deserve. So remember that, believer. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's James chapter 2, verse 13. And also never forget where you're going. Never forget who it is that is leading you there and who it is that is behind you. And yes, I said who? Christ before me, Christ behind me. God has us surrounded, all right? In this valley that we're in, we're also being led to the Father's house. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, David said. So we shouldn't grow weary as believers in Jesus Christ, okay? Because we have the great shepherd in front of us, and then we have his goodness and his mercy behind us, and he is leading us somewhere very, very important, home. He's leading us home to our Father's house where we will live forever and ever, and we can believe that. We can count on that. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, just keep following the shepherd. He will lead you, or he will never lead you, rather, where he cannot care for you. Amen. That's exactly right. Trust what the Word of God says, okay? Don't waste your time looking for truth outside of this book because you won't find it. You won't find it there. But you can trust every word that you read here. It's absolutely true. I like what the old Baptist preacher said. I've heard this saying a hundred times or more in my life, right? He says, God's word says it, I believe it, and that settles it, <laughs> right? It's a simple way to put it, but there's a lot of truth in that statement, okay? All right, I'm going to go ahead and kind of wrap this up uh, for tonight. But I, I want you, or at least I hope that you've been able to see that Psalm 23 is not for the dead. The next time you read that at a funeral, you can just kind of smile and say, you know what, this psalm is for the living it's not for the dead. This psalm is for those of us who are still on our journey toward heaven. Okay? That's what this psalm is for. And we may be in the valley. That's true. But that's where the path of righteousness is. Did you see that in this psalm? So stay on that path. Okay? And you can also believe that you have a seat at your Father's table. How beautiful is that? Believe that too. You have a place that Christ himself has prepared for you to dwell for all of eternity, right? David said this, forever, in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Every day I'm awake here on this earth. And in addition to that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, eternal life starts the moment that you believe. And then it never ends. It goes on forever and forever and forever. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We've read that already, but I left off a verse, and here it is, verse 4. And where I go, 
you know. And the way you know. Jesus also said that. That's John 14, verses 1 through 4. So you know the way, believer. You know. It's Jesus Christ. Keep following Christ. Okay? The great shepherd of his sheep. And he will take ultimate care of your soul that has been restored. Let me end with this. Because I want to... I want to end on a high note on this psalm because this is really a psalm of celebration in a lot of ways. And I want you to see some of the benefits of being a sheep. We, always, we kind of knock sheep a little bit, right? They're, they're stupid or whatever. And, and there's truth in that too. But there's great benefits of being a sheep when it comes to following the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, right? When you're one of his sheep, you have some major benefits. And so here's the truth about our situation right now as sheep of Christ. The sheep of Christ do not want. That's verse 1. The sheep of Christ lie down, fully fed in green pastures. That's verse 2. They are led to clean, clear, still waters. Again, verse 2. They have restored souls. Verse 3. They walk on the path of righteousness. Verse 3. They walk through the valley. They don't die in it. Verse 4. The sheep of Christ do not fear. Verse 4. They are comforted. Verse 4. They have a gourmet meal prepared for them. Verse 5. At the table of God. They are anointed. Verse 5. To the point of overflowing. Verse 5. And they are followed by both goodness and mercy. Verse 6. And they have a home in heaven. Verse 6. Wow. How about that? What other life would you rather have? What other life would you rather have than that? I can't think of one myself. We love you, Lord. Thank you for time in your word tonight. Thank you for this really encouraging psalm. Lord, we see the benefits as followers, as believers in Jesus Christ in this psalm because of all that you went through in the previous psalm to make all of this possible. So Lord, again, tonight we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the punishment and the pain and the shame and the sin that you took upon yourself, my sin that you took upon you on the cross so that you could rise again from the dead and provide me with all of these benefits. Lord, it's amazing. I thank you, Lord, as my great shepherd for leading me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake for your glory lord this it's not about me it's not about us it's not about the sheep it's about the shepherd and so we thank you for that lord and we worship you tonight because you're worthy this is all for your name's sake and lord you are leading us in the pastures to the water to the table all the way home. What a journey. We thank you, Lord, that we have eternal life at the end of this thing. Lord, when we close our eyes for the last time here, we're going to open them in glory in our Father's house where we will dwell forever. Thank you, Lord. You have done it all. And we worship you. And we see tonight that this psalm is for the living. 
It's for those of us that are still in the valley on our way home. And we have the confidence from your word of knowing that we're going to get there. You'll get us there. You'll direct us. You'll guide us. You'll correct us. You'll encourage us. Whatever we need, you'll see us safely home because you go before us and then you come behind us. We are totally in the grip of grace and we thank you for that. So Lord, please have your way with us. Help us, Lord, to be encouraged in this and and have this joy that is overflowing. Lord, would you allow our cups to run over this week? Lord, could we experience that kind of joy this week where our cup just runs over and runs out into this community where a hurting world desperately needs to know about the love of Jesus Christ? We ask this in your holy name. Amen.